you. God bless you as you give.
Amen. Thank you, Sister Kim. He made something beautiful of my life. Praise the Lord. Well, we've got our Bibles today, and uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get this passed. We'll start over here in a second. All right. Let's get this passed. We have our Men and Boys Beast Feast, and I meant to get these passed, but we didn't get a chance to do that. All right. Everyone, please, uh, men and boys, sign up on the top, and then also, ladies, if you would help... Uh, Prepare the wild game meat that will be provided and the desserts and so forth. All right. Thank you so much. We'll get that pastor out. The audience, thank you so much. That's great. All right. Now, let's take our Bibles together. Everyone, take our Bibles. We used to say, I've read the back of the book and I know what happens. We win. We sang, I'm on the winning side just a little while ago, and how true that is. We are on the winning side. On the front of your bulletin is that which depicts the glorified Christ. And we have as a text verse, a verse from the book of Revelation. So many preachers and churches today will ignore what the Bible clearly says in the last book of the Bible, that is the Revelation simply because they either don't understand it or they have difficulty in presenting it. But the Bible says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. That verse is a wonderful verse in and of itself, but it is also the key to understanding the last book of the Bible. To many, the book of Revelation is a closed book. More than one Bible teacher has uh, taught through the New Testament, through the book of Jude, only to turn back and say, well, we can't go through Revelation. It's too difficult. And it's so sad because a blessing is promised to those who read this book. Will you turn with me to the first chapter of Revelation and let's read it for ourselves and we'll see there is a blessing promised. It says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard the word, the term apocalypse, haven't you? Or apocalyptic. And it comes from the Greek, which means to uncover or to reveal. Revelation means the revealing of, the uncovering of. If you were to take a scroll from the first century on which was written certain words, and if you were to unroll the scroll, if you were to open the scroll, uh, much as if you were to take one of the old uh, uh, street maps or road maps that we used to have in days gone by that were folded up very nicely when you'd buy them and you'd never get them back together again after that. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, when you open it up, you can see where the roads are. You can see where you're going. You can understand the direction that you should be taking. The same is true about those events of the last days and of future times and of our Savior Jesus Christ. And this is the revealing of that great truth. The revelation of Jesus Christ. He's being uncovered and revealed for Him and for what He represents in these last days, which God gave unto Him to show unto His servants things which must shortly come to pass. And He sent and signified it by His angel unto His servant, John, this is John, the beloved disciple, who is now aged. 
who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, please look at the first word of verse number 3 of Revelation chapter 1 where it says what? Blessed. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. You and I can be blessed today. We can declare that we are, as the Scripture says, blessed because we've got the Scripture open. It's going to be revealed. It's going to be explained for every person who will open himself or herself to this, the Word of God, the truth of revelation. This book is going to be a blessing to you today. God's plan for the future is laid out. We ought to have a desire to know what's going to happen. And while we don't have every detail, we have enough here to know what God wants us to know and how He wants us to behave. And so praise the Lord. We have the scripture there in verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Father, would you fill me now with the Holy Spirit? Help me as I bring this message today. I pray that our people might give their attention to the Word of God, that there might not be any confusion, that folks might understand exactly what you would have us to know today, that we might be the people that you would have us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I have said inside the bulletin, Jesus Christ is glorified and will return suddenly, surprisingly, and perhaps soon. Then I pose a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are your family members ready? Are your friends ready? Are your neighbors ready? We ought to be prepared. We ought to be ready for the coming of the Lord. I have written in the bulletin also some helps. Just a little ways down on the right hand side. Follow the golden rule of interpretation. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. And that is good. Now there are types and symbols in the Word of God. But when the Bible is speaking plainly, we take a literal view of the Scriptures as presented to us. And so we're going to do that today. I believe that John was literally aged. I believe that John was literally given this message from our Lord for us today in this 21st century. I believe that he was literally imprisoned on a rock in the Mediterranean known as Patmos. And the world, the flesh, and the devil thought that they had silenced this last remaining disciple of our Savior Jesus Christ when in truth uh, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and great things were open to him by way of a divine vision which he has recorded so that we can understand the development and the progress of human history and it's laid out for us very, very simply as you're going to see today. Over 100 years ago, Dr. C.I. Schofield said in his notes that doubtless much which is designedly obscured to us will be clear to those for whom it was written as the time approaches. What he's saying is, if you lived in the first century, you might not understand as much as you understand in the 21st century because more of it applies to us than it did to them in the first century. It's just that simple. God has given us a divine book. 
He's given us a perfect book so that we might be equipped, that we might be able to serve Him as we ought to. It's always been a challenge to live the Christian life, but God has always provided just what we need. Right now, what you're going through is particular to you. It is individual in your case, but God provides what you need to get through. Do you have relationship problems? Do you have difficulties with your finances? Are you having problems with your personal life? Walk with your vocation. I don't know what's going on with you, but whatever it is, God has what you need. God has what I need. And by faith, we open the Scriptures and we say, Lord, would you please guide me into all truth? Will you teach me what I need to know? God hasn't given us a high-sounding book just so we'll be impressed. God has not given us a variety of words just so that we'll say, my, that's deep. But rather, He's given us something that we can sink our spiritual teeth into. And we can say, that was for me. I was in church today and God came down and spoke to my heart. He's speaking to me right now. There are those who want to make a game out of prophecy. And throughout the ages, regardless of their motivation, there have been date setters. And every date setter lived and died and they were wrong because no man knoweth the day nor the hour. But my Father, Jesus said, only. He knows. He knows when the rapture will take place. He knows when that time of tribulation will be done. He knows when Jesus will come and King Jesus will set feet down on the ground and rule and reign for a thousand years. He knows when that's going to be. You and I don't know, but the time is surely nearer than it was last year, last month, yesterday, early this morning. Time is moving forward. We're not getting more time. We're having less time. And because of that, it's high time people got right with God. This whole business of prophecy is about our walk with the Lord. This whole business of prophecy is about people getting saved that need to get saved and people that need to get right with God and get revived again. It's about people getting their marriages lined up because we're about out of time. It's about people getting their kids to God through Jesus Christ because we're just about out of time. Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. Will you have everyone in the ark of salvation from your family, from among your friends, from among your co-workers. We're about to run out of time. That's more important than anything else. It's more important than the fact that you say, well, I, I'm going to vote for this person or that person. That's not the most important thing. You say, well, it's important that I vote for the person I believe ought to be elected. But that's not the most important thing. Well, you say, it's important that I work as hard as I can and, and take care of my finances. Yes, that's important, but that's not the most important thing. The things that we think about every day and we spend an inordinate amount of time concerned about. You might be concerned about your health or somebody else's health. You might be concerned about your bills or somebody else's bills. You might be concerned about these everyday mundane things. And while they are important in their own place, they are not as important as are you ready to meet the Lord. Jesus is coming again. He may come before I finish the next sentence. He may come 
and I may start the word on this side and finish it on the other side. He's coming in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's the smallest space of time that's possible. Twinkling of an eye. Faster, faster than the fastest human, faster than the fastest automobile, faster than the fastest aircraft. Twinkling of an eye. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Are you keeping short accounts? It's no accident. On the day when John was taken prisoner, on the day when the Roman emperor tried to boil him in oil, we're told by tradition, but failed, on the day that he got frustrated and couldn't do anything and he condemned him to a little rock called Patmos in the middle of the Mediterranean, it was no accident. God knew it all ahead of time. You say, well, how cruel, how terrible. Why, they tried to boil him in oil. Why, they condemned him. Why, they said bad things about him. Why, they, why, they put him on this rock. Why, there wasn't, even a, there wasn't even a McDonald's or a Burger King anywhere nearby. But God said, John, I'm going to share something with you. And you share it with all those who believe. And he opened up the curtain. And he showed him marvelous things that most believers will not read because you've been prepped to think it's too hard to understand. Marvelous, marvelous revealing of Jesus Christ and the future and our part in all of that. The most important thing is are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? It says in that first chapter, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. That's Asia Minor or modern day Turkey. And he lists them in chapters 2 and 3. Grace be unto you and peace from Him which is and which was and which is to come. Who is that? Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. He always was and He always will be. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. That means He'll meet your need today. You need to come to Him in faith. From the seven spirits which are before His throne, the spirits speak of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and of the prince of the kings of the earth unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ has experienced death for our sins. He has shed His blood that we might be redeemed, washed in His blood. He has been buried. He was dead. He rose from the dead, up out of the tomb. He is alive forevermore. It has been well said by the songwriter, the only thing in heaven that's made with men's hands will be the, the marks in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll show you His hands. He'll show you His side. He'll show you His feet. He's in a glorified body that shines like He's shown on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's, uh, he's glorified and one day we will have a body like unto His. Praise God for, for the, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the truth. Behold, He cometh with clouds. 
Clouds have always held a fascination for people, but in the Bible it refers to power and authority and majesty and might. He cometh with clouds. He's coming with clouds of people. He's coming with those saints that have gone on before and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, amen. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus Christ is God. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. That's the voice of the Lord. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice. Note that. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were like white like wool, and as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice, as the sound of many waters. He's surrounded by that lamp, those lights, representing the testimony of, of the churches. Magnificent sight. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And so would you, and so would I. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Jesus Christ is very God. He gives us the key in verse 19, but read on verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, before we get too spooky on this, angel means messenger, and many believe that that refers to the pastors of those local churches in that time. So that is very possible, but you don't have to call me angel. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. I want to talk about that. I want you to see what God has shown me. First of all, the things which thou hast seen. Put a, put a one next to that. The things that thou hast seen. What did John just see? Well, chapter one. Do you see what John saw? John saw the glorified Christ. May I ask you a question, sir or ma'am? Have you met Jesus? I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the one of the Bible. Chapter 1 represents the things which thou hast seen and is the first division of this marvelous book. And I say, you know what? Whoever said Revelation was too tough to understand lied to me. And may I say... As you have concluded, 
that you are correct. Whoever told you it was too tough lied to you. There is a blessing. And the first blessing is seeing Jesus and seeing Him in His glorified state and seeing Him not limited in any way but capable of meeting every need. There is nothing, there is nothing when you come to Him that if it's in the will of God that He cannot supply. There is nothing that He cannot do for you that needs to be done. There is no way in which He will ever fall short of what is necessary in your life and mine. Whatever is in the will of God, the plan of God for you, Jesus Christ has it all. He's the one we go to. He's the one that we love. He's the one that we long for. He's the one that we lean on. He's the one. Have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible? Not the Jesus of some cult. Not the Jesus of somebody's mind. Not the Jesus that somebody has made up. But the Jesus of the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ. He was there walking in the garden. My Bible says in the cool. He met with Adam and Eve after that horrific fall. Genesis shows man's beginning in a beautiful paradise. And Jesus was there. Because He spoke it all into existence. Revelation shows that that paradise is going to be restored. Not because we've done so well. Not because of our advancement in technology. Not because we figured things out. Because we're so intelligent. Not because we've done so well in government. Because we haven't. But in spite of us, paradise is going to be restored because of Jesus Christ. Genesis shows us how man lost his chance to eat of the tree of life. But Revelation shows us that man is yet going to eat of that tree. And it won't be because we did so well. It won't be because we've advanced so much. It won't be because of our great potential. It will be because of Jesus Christ. Genesis tells of man's first rebellion against God that fall into sin in chapter 3. But Revelation promises an end to that rebellion. It'll be over forever. And the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. All those things that man has foisted upon the world through our rebellion and sin will be corrected once and for all because of Jesus Christ. Have you met Jesus Christ personally? Do you know Him as your Savior today? Revelation 1.19 says, Write the things which thou hast seen, Jesus Christ in His glorified state, and, put it down, number two, the things which are. You will find with me, as He has already introduced them in chapter 1, seven local churches. We're familiar with them. They existed for years and years and years. In chapters 2 and 3, we have individual letters addressed to each of those churches in order, beginning with Ephesus in chapter 2 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 3 with a message to Laodicea, the last of the seven churches. I want you to understand that there may be some, a little bit or a great deal, of the characteristics of those churches in our church. Some of them good and some of them bad. Let's be honest. 
Let's recognize it for what it is. It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. But the Lord Jesus Christ deals with each of the seven churches and He gives them all the same opportunity, and that is to be right with Him. We don't have to be right with any other human or agency of man. But we do have to be right with God. If our light's going to shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You remember what Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you want your light to shine, if you want the corporate light of this church to shine, then we must meet God on His terms. We must do business with Jesus Christ. We must be right with Him. Only you and only I can answer individually. Only you and I can answer for our family. Only you and only I can answer for our church corporately if our light will continue to shine. It will only continue to shine if we're right with God. Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to be right and line up with the Lord Jesus Christ? The things which are. This also teaches me what's important to God. Now, when you purchase a newspaper, some people still do, or when you go online and see what the news is, or when you turn on your television set or your radio to hear what the latest news is, I can guarantee you what the media is producing is not the most important news. I promise you, I don't care from which side of the spectrum you go, I promise you it's not the news. The news is found between the covers of the book. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about the good news. I'm talking about news that is new, news that is good, news that will lift you up and not, not drive you down or demean you or make you feel like you just want to go someplace and drive off a cliff. Because if you listen to that other news, I'm talking about the stuff that they say is news. If you listen to that all the time, that's what you're going to want to do. But I tuned in to Jesus this morning. And He's got the good news. He's got the news that's new. He's got the news that lifts up and does not demean or tear down. And the most important things in all the world have to do with the churches of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about what's going on between these four walls. Now, you don't see the cameras from any of those acronyms, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, you know, MSLSD, or whatever, you know, all those different... Whatever they are. All those acronyms. They're not here today because they don't get it. They don't get it. What's going on between these walls is more important than what they say is news. Because the God of the universe who holds it all together said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And guess what? The God of the universe is right here in the midst. Jesus Christ in the Spirit is right here in the midst. And He cares about you. He cares about me. He knows what's hurting you, what's bothering you, what's troubling you, the difficulties, the challenge, the upward climb that you're facing. He knows all about it. And He has come from the furthest extent of eternity. He has come to this place to meet with us, to meet your needs and to meet my needs. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about God in a body. He's come down today. He's here to meet your need. 
The most important business in all the universe is taking place in this building right here. Right here. Right here. And when you have your devotions, my sweet wife gets up early. Uh, sometimes it's by choice and sometimes she awakens, but she gets up. She's got enough sense to know when God wakes her up. And she opens up the Bible. And she doesn't want me doing this right now. I'll, I'll guarantee you she doesn't want me saying this. But the God of the universe comes down and has devotions with her. The God of the universe meets with you when you open up His Word. you got an openness to Him. He doesn't just pick out some prominent address. And there are some prominent addresses. There's number one on this famous street in New York City or 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or wherever you want to go, all those famous places around the world. I'll tell you where he goes. He goes wherever there's a sincere heart of a true believer. And he meets with you. The God of the universe meets with you. And right now, he's meeting with us right here. This is more important than anything you'll do all week. What's going on right here. I'm not saying it because I'm speaking. I'm saying it because he's here. He's here. He walks with us. He talks with us. He meets with us. He loves us. He reassures us of that love, that care. He keeps his promises. He is who He is described as in the Word of God. The most important thing in the world has to do with the Lord's churches today. And that's chapters 2 and 3. As we look at those churches, we can find lessons to be learned. I'm not going to give them to you right now. Time does not remain for us to do that. But number 3, the third part of Revelation 1.19, and the things which shall be Hereafter, meta tauta, hereafter, beginning at chapter 4. Chapters 4 through 22 of the book of Revelation, covered by this third part, the things which shall be hereafter. Majority of what you're reading is prophetic. It is yet future. It is truth. And it ought to motivate us. I've read the back of the book. And I know who wins. We win. We get to rule and reign. We get to stand with Him. We're on the winning side as we have sung. When you come back tonight, this thought will be continued in a little different scripture, a little different format, but it's the same concept. Those people who stand off and say, oh, those poor deluded Christians, why, they spend their time down there at church. Why, they think their prayers mean something. They think that their songs and their testimonies and their sermons and their lessons mean something. Why, those poor deluded Christians, they, they go down there and they think they're talking to God. And they're praying and they're lifting up their voices and they're expending their energy. But you see what those people don't realize is they're on the other side of the door. We've already come through the door. His name is Jesus Christ. They're, they're way over on the other side. We've come by way of Jesus who is the way. They're deluded by falsehoods and error. We've come by way of the truth. 
They are dead in their trespasses and sins and we've experienced the life which is Jesus Christ. They're in their darkness and we're in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's absolutely no way they can even conceive of what we're experiencing. If you had all the money in the world, if you were the richest person having all the money, access to all the wealth of the world, but you didn't know Jesus Christ, you would be the poorest spiritually. I don't care how many cars, how many houses, how much money, how much wealth you have in your portfolio. Without Jesus Christ, you're a poor man or a poor woman. We have spiritual wealth in Jesus Christ. We have access to everything God wants us to have so that we can be everything that God wants us to be, so that we can do everything that God wants us to do. And nobody else, this other side, on the other side can say that. The richest person, the most mobile person, the most, uh, the most uh, advantaged person on the other side of the door cannot say those things. But you can, and I can. Write the things which thou hast seen. Have you met Jesus? And the things which are. The most important business is the Lord's business. It's going on right here. And the things which shall be hereafter. I don't have to worry. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because He's already got it covered. You see, here's the wonderful truth about Jesus Christ, not limited by time or space. My tomorrow, your tomorrow, anybody worried about your tomorrow? You worried about it? I want to tell you right now, don't worry. He's already there! Amen, and praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's nothing better on this side, I'm telling you. Nothing better. And the world has no idea. They're still going to think you're crazy. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, I've said it before. Say it again. I may be nuts, but I'm attached to the right bolt. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Would you clo close your eyes and bow your heads now? Amen? Amen. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And how many of you today have been encouraged in the Lord? Raise your hand up high. Come on. I was encouraged in the Lord today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back, but in the meantime, we can walk with Him and we can talk with Him and we can have this wonderful time because He'll never leave us, never forsake us, never let us down. This is the most important business in all the world. Let's get a proper perspective of things, shall we? While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, how many of you would say, I am concerned about somebody. I, I, I love, I care for somebody that's... that's not walking with the Lord. Either they're not saved or they're not right with God. Raise your hand up high. They're not saved or they're not right with God. I'm concerned for somebody. Would you pray for them right now? I'll pray for them. You pray for them. Let's come down here in a moment and have a word of prayer for them. Maybe you work with somebody or work for somebody, go to school with somebody, live next door down the street from somebody, know of somebody who's not right with God. They're not saved or they're not right with God. And you want to pray for them. Let's draw the net, shall we? Let's pray that God will draw them in. They'll get saved the Bible way. They'll see this one, Jesus Christ, that we see in chapter 1. The things which are.
they'll see the importance of being with God's people in God's house. And I don't want to forsake the assembling of myself together. And if you're concerned about your church affiliation, if you've not been scripturally baptized, if you've not been ba- baptized or joined the church, you want to come and indicate that desire today. You want to come and thank God for the church. You want to thank God for the people of God who, who are your family, your spiritual family. And then we can walk and talk with Jesus and be confident because He's got it all under control. He's already in our tomorrow. Praise the, the Lord for that truth. If you're not sure you're saved, with heads bowed and eyes closed, every young person, every adult, head bowed, eyes closed, pray from your heart to God right now something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Every head is bowed. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, slip your hand up now. Let me see.